the reason these disturbances, they followed you to a new home, is because it's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. So, 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1935. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, My name is Robert Hawkins. Approximately seven hours ago, uh, something attacked the city. Um, found this. If you're watching this, then you know more about it than I do. California, stay away from me. Stay away from me. I'm not, I'm not coming here. John Doe has the upper hand. And on that day, Ahab will go to his grave, but he'll rise again within the hour. He will rise and beckon that all, all save one, shall follow. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. Hello. Welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Tonight, the state of New Jersey, this is Mike. You're in the state of New Jersey today? I'm in Secaucus, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you're going to that some sort of show, right? So, anyway, yeah. we'll talk later. The last time I heard City Caucus was uh, in Goodfellas, and that was because he was he's talking about how they were burying bodies out there in the swamps. Anyway, that's what Mike must be doing. You're half Italian, aren't you? And you're half Irish. There you go, the mobs. You're a mobster. No comment. No comment. Anyway, uh, that was a stereotype by me. Uh, also, uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. Excellent. All right. For folks who are new to the podcast, who are we? Uh, basically, we're at a Dark Discussion podcast. Basically, we talk about horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrills, techno thrills, mysteries, grindhouse, arthouse, midnight movies, foreign language films, uh, drive-in fair, cult fair, and the like. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, we also have uh, email, which is darkdiscussions at AOL.com. You can email us and just put uh, – Dark discussions or DDP or something in the subject, and then we'll know it's specifically for this podcast because that email is used for the entire network. Also, uh, we have a Facebook group called Dark Discussion Podcasts, uh, Facebook group, and then we have a website, www.darkdiscussions.com, which uh, has all the podcasts that any of your co hosts that you hear tonight are on, uh, including a couple of our. Uh, our friends as well who have podcasts. Uh, Eric, what else can they find on www.darkdiscussions.com? Well, they can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that allows you to financially contribute to your online artists like us. Producing this show is not free. We have to pay for things like website names and website hosting and audio equipment and computers and movie tickets and all sorts of things like that. So if you'd like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, 
That's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, indeed. And uh, thank you for the handful of folks that do donate because there's not many of you. But uh, we do do this for free and uh, we do have expenses, uh, including uh, a $250 one that just came up uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, thank you for any By the way, speaking of people who uh, contribute to Patreon, I just heard from Michelle Barkley. Uh, she had stopped listening for a while because life got life, and uh, she's back listening. And uh, just let me know that uh, I made a joke that she thought was funny, even though nobody else on the podcast reacted, which is usually the case. Now, is, is she, is she uh, contacting you through Facebook? Yeah. Uh, that's good, yeah, because I know she uh, uh, kind of got sick of social media, maybe, or something happened. Like you said, life. Well, it was, it was Messenger, so... Yeah, yeah. She didn't necessarily have to look at Facebook. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, like Joey of the Mafia Horror Mafia podcast, he only uses the Messenger. He doesn't use Facebook itself. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. All right. So uh, welcome back, listening, Michelle. It's uh, uh, always uh, good to hear from you, even though uh, you um, was reached out to uh, just one of us, but uh, uh, you've always been one of our uh, fine listeners. Oh, so uh, she reached out to me because during one episode, I said. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood, and nobody on the show got the reference, and she got it. So, and what is the reference? I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's it's Ben Stiller. Oh, okay. Uh, in a movie or a stand-up? In a movie. Gotcha. All right. So, dodgeball uh, specifically. Well, oh, what was it called? Dodgeball. Gotcha. Um, all right. So uh, once again, thank you. Uh, hello to Michelle Barkley. Um, now, uh, we, uh, if we do have time after the, our topic tonight, we'll uh, go over news or what we've been watching or whatnot. I'm sure uh, there may be some Diablo talk, things of that nature. But um, we do have a, a topic tonight, and uh, why don't we get into that? And Eric, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we are watching a movie that Barrett chose for us, currently available on the Shutter streaming service called Bad Things. We're here! So you own this place? Yep. Your grandma left this place to you, not your mom. It doesn't seem that haunted. How many people died here? Not people, women. I love ghosts. Do you think you might be imagining things? You scare me a little. There's a man standing at the door. Girl! not fucking safe here. You can't stop yourself. What is wrong with you? Me? Oh, my God. Guys, you don't know what could happen here. Oh, now you're seeing ghosts, too? Sometimes. Can't feel your fingers. I do bad things sometimes. No, well, who doesn't?
First off, I want to say uh, Mike has no life because today is his birthday, and he's instead podcasting instead of potting it up. So happy birthday, Mike. Dedication, Phil. Dedication. That is true. And today is uh, August 24th. I have, even, I have even less of a life than you think I do, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> sure, fair enough. Uh, so happy birthday to Mike. Uh, August 24th, 2023 is his birthday. Uh, so uh, happy birthday. And uh, this is when we're recording this because some people, like his wife Pam, are always curious when we record uh, episodes because sometimes they are not released immediately after they're recorded. However, this one will probably be released uh, next week or early September just for the fact that um, I'm hoping that it uh, doesn't need much editing. Um, and that's uh, always helpful. So uh, we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about this film. And uh, since, Barry, you actually chose this film. Well, you didn't chose it. You, you suggested two films, and one was an Irish film from like a year ago, and then this film here that was uh, coming out uh, a couple of days after you suggested it. And uh, why don't you let us know uh, how you heard about this film and what you thought. I heard about it because I was looking for films that we might want to watch, and uh, I wish I wish I had researched it a little further. But um, I really thought this movie sucked. It was very amateurish. Um, it just didn't hit any good note for me. The music was really awkward um, and didn't work at all for me. So the score was just totally off. Um, and yeah, the acting was just subpar. Um, and even the cinematography, I felt like somebody just went out into the city and picked some building to, you know, hotel that wasn't being used and started filming and didn't do anything to make it interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this movie. It is a shit show. I'm sorry we watched it, but there we are. All right, sounds good. And uh, I forgot to mention a couple things. So this is directed by Stuart Thorndike and written by her as well. Stars Gil. Rankin, Harry Neff, or Harry Neff, Annabelle Dexter Jones, Brad Pereira, and Molly Ringwald. Uh, so, yeah, that's. Uh, oh, oh I forgot about that. That's the most positive part for me was Molly Ringwald. Well, you, you, we'll, we'll discuss that in a little bit, too. But uh, it was uh, distributed by Shutter uh, and uh, came out just a couple of days ago, uh, I think uh, within the past week. So, uh, yeah. All right, so let's go with you, Eric. Uh, I heard about this because we decided to watch it for the podcast. Um, I did not like this movie a whole lot either. Um, like I've said before, I don't, I, I never enjoy coming on here and crapping on a movie because I'm sure the people involved with the movie worked very hard to create it. Uh, and I'm sure if I went to try and make a movie right now with the knowledge and skill I currently have, I, I wouldn't be able to do this good. Um, so that being said, <laughs> I really didn't like this movie. Um, I felt like, kind of like Barrett was, I felt like uh, somebody got the opportunity to shoot at a recently closed hotel as a location. And I was like, cool. And then got there and was like, okay, now what? <laughs> um, uh, I did agree with Barrett on the score, actually. That that was one of the very few things I, I liked. Really? You liked it? Um, well, a certain certain aspect of the score, which was that there's certain sections where there were two violins that would play in unison, and then one oh, of them would okay. uh, kind of bend away from the original note and then bend back into it. Uh, and I found that sufficiently creepy. Um, but other than that, it wasn't really a, it's, it's not like a standout score. Um, yeah, so uh, I did not enjoy this movie. Um, I really still don't understand 
the story. I mean, I understand the events that happened, but I don't really understand the why or if there was a why or why it took so long to tell this particular series of events. So, yeah, not a fan. Uh, I'll let somebody else go. All right. Sounds good. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I heard about it uh, when Barrett brought this film up and a prior, uh, the Irish film. Uh, I actually was leaning to the Irish film, but uh, um, this was fine, too. I, I always go in blind. I have no problems. Um, now, uh, I do know, um, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of the original The Evil Dead uh, way back, and you know, it's a running joke in the podcast that I, I ripped that, and always say it's the worst film we ever reviewed. Uh, and I know we have running jokes about the gallows and the giant and uh, the scary of 61st Street, among others. And this year, we we, we saw our film called Skinnamarink that we all absolutely, uh, and I think I'm not out of line by saying all of us. I thought it was horrendous. Um, now, uh, this film here. Um, in my opinion, and I know I'm, uh, I'm, people don't – I've already said offline that they don't agree with me. Uh, this is the worst film i possibly ever seen in my entire life, never mind done on this podcast. It is so, so bad. It's not scary. It's not uh, thrilling. It's not interesting. It's boring as hell. Uh, it's amateurish. Uh, there's no real script that was any significance. Uh, Molly Ringwald was uh, most certainly taking a paycheck because half of her or most of her was was on a little film on a phone. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just just terrible film, terrible film. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not, like, upset that I saw it because it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? You, you, you watch a lemon every so often, even if it is the worst film I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but I, I'm not – like Eric, I have no problems destroying and ripping a film because, again, we, you know, we can rip Monday morning quarterback and we can rip, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys or the Detroit Lions or the New England Patriots the next day or the New York Yankees, the Red Sox. So we, we can uh, say anything about everything. So uh, I'm not – and, you know, we, we have no professional or college experience. So I, I would just say that, yeah, this is, this is just terrible. I would highly recommend that you stay away. And Barrett said a really good thing to me when I texted him earlier today. He goes, uh, Shutter or, or just VOD services or channels, just buy everything and anything uh, to have content because you know, there's so many streaming services that they need content. And and this and Barrett was kind of alluding to, and I would concur, was one of those type where Shutter just needed content and they, they were able to grab a, a film cheap from Tribeca and and uh, you know and then release it on their platform. So yeah, it is a terrible film, absolutely horrible. Uh, let's go over Mike. Okay, so uh, I had no idea this film existed until Barrett suggested it. Uh, once again, I will uh, chip in that as with Skinnerink. It was a proposed film. Barrett isn't the one that necessarily chose to do it. It was just a suggested suggestion. He's now, responsible, and you're responsible for Skinner Rink. That yeah, is the I'm first. Am, I am ultimately, I am responsible. So I'll now, see, Barrett doesn't weasel out like you, Mike. <laughs> Barrett's a man. Um, I will say I probably liked it better than most of you. I wish I mean to say that compared to if. I, if when I compare this to Skinner Rink, it makes Skinner Rink look like dog shit because Skinner Rink still is dog shit. 
uh, but that does not make this a good film. Um, I'm much more firmly in Eric's camp. We are not talking about major leagues here, to use Phil's metaphor. This is not a student from Warner Brothers or Paramount or Disney. This is a movie by some people making it probably out of the uh, money out of pocket, or whatever loans they can get. And by the way, I want to point out, Bill, you said the first Evil Dead. The first e- Evil Dead remake, not the first Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the, the so, one, yeah. The, right, so before exactly. the Sam Raimi fans, now I know that the remake has a lot of fans, so you'll still get emails, but he wasn't re- criticizing the, the uh, Sam Raimi movie. But right, anyway, right, right, um, right. this felt to me like um, uh, the knockoff Shining, uh, because it's people go into a hotel. Critics say that. Yeah. And it's spooky, in theory. <laughs> spooky. Uh, and it's got an LGBTQ cast, if that matters to you. Um, my biggest problem started right away because there's four characters, and it's almost these four characters throughout the entire film, except for the you know uh, a cameo by, by Marley Ringwald and a couple of other people that put in small appearances. And immediately three of the four begin shitting on the fourth. And that immediately... Not literally. <laughs> no, that, that, that at the very least... That's a different movie. It would be a different movie, and it certainly would probably, I'm guessing, be more entertaining to talk about. It might have been a worse movie. <laughs> but it would have been a more interesting movie. Um, and so I immediately disliked the characters, um, especially the lead I just didn't care for, uh, and that's always a problem. And, you know, it's not an insurmountable problem, but, like, at no point did I get the sense that these characters were getting their comeuppance or what the, it just felt like they were shitty characters and they didn't realize that they were shitty characters as they were writing them. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, I don't know. It's just it was really hard to care about. There were some little things I thought, okay, I could see somebody maybe finding this creepy or scary. Uh, you know, they got oh, I think production value out of the sets that they had. However, they managed to get onto an abandoned uh, what do you call it? hotel set. You know, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I just. I was just kind of bored. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. But I had trouble keeping my interest. Um, like I said, I've certainly seen worse. I've seen worse movies this year that I found more frustrating. And by the way, I didn't. I really did not like Skinnamarink or The Outwaters. I thought those were both worse films, but there are people who like it. I thought both of those films were at least more interesting than this film. Um, but yeah, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know what themes we're going to find. I don't know what this says about the state of Molly Ringwall's bank account. But uh, I don't know. I'm sure we've now got you all jazzed up for the rest of this podcast. Yes, yes, and thank you for clarifying. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, the Sam Raimi Evil Dead films are all awesome. Bill would uh, never shit on that one. Hell no, not not, not any of the Sam Raimi. Uh, 
actually, I don't think I've ever seen a bad Sam Raimi film. Anyway, um, all right, let's get into uh, the wiki, Eric. Wiki, wiki. A group of friends go to a hotel for a weekend getaway and soon discover that women do bad things here. Well, now, I gotta tell, I gotta tell our listeners that <laughs> Phil got all excited when we read this last week when deciding on the movie. Yeah, and I told you privately he was in for a big surprise, Eric. <laughs> well, I will say the the movie is appropriately titled because this is bad things. This is bad, and it, and it is a thing. That's about it. Um, but yes, yes, I, I thought basically off of that IMDb, it sounded kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was not it was not. Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, what we do here on uh, the Dark Discussions podcast, well, basically we try to talk about, uh, well, actually we do our review, and then we do more than that. We talk about the film itself, deep dives, if you like, so uh, critique and dissect the film. So at a certain point, we'll Maybe not this time. Yeah, that's true, Mike. Uh, so at a certain point, we will throw up a spoiler, and at that point, we will talk about Anything and everything related to the film, such as uh, what the writer, producer, directors were trying to say in the film, uh, what uh, you know, twists and turns, all that stuff. Uh, but before that, we usually talk about general things, uh, maybe related to the film, maybe related to uh, um, indie theater, for this example here, or LGBTQ. Uh, um, themes because that's this one has a, a lot is basically that. Uh, we also could talk about Molly Ringwald as Mike mentioned, uh, or anything else that's kind of related without spoiling uh, the film. And, and then also Mike mentioned uh, The Shining uh, as well, so that could be something of interest to talk about too before we throw up the spoiler. So uh, at this point, we're just going to talk about uh, general stuff as I just mentioned, without the spoiler, and we'll throw that out soon enough. Uh, so uh, the general stuff without throwing out the spoiler alert, uh, what do we, do we want to talk first? Uh, what do we want to go with? Uh, anything? So uh, we ready to do what we've been watching? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I think, I think that, that would be, be good. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, uh, Eric, you said... People don't laugh at your jokes. Well, actually, you're probably not joking there. So, no, not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, interesting to see that Molly Ringwald was in this film. Um, I uh, had not. Uh, I, I honestly didn't recognize her. Oh, no kidding. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, she was she was only on that little. I mean, now, now that I know, that's where I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I recognized her at the end, but during the phone scenes, I wasn't getting it. I was getting a um, oh, the woman that was married to Don Johnson. Hmm. Oh, a Melanie Griffith. Yeah, it looked kind of like her back in the day. <laughs> sure, so sure. I was just getting that vibe. I don't know why. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, that, yeah, it was interesting to see her in the film. Um, I know Hari. Oh, what text the name again? Uh, uh, Hari Neff, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, she was in uh, the Barbie, had a small role in the Barbie movie, uh, so I know knew of her. Otherwise, I don't know any of the other folks in the film. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, Mike. Um, the the characters were kind of <laughs> mean to each. They're I, all mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was just like, why do people want to hang out with those type of people? Or, or, unless they are those type of people. See, that's the thing. There's, I'm not going to name the, 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 a certain baseball or football players, but there are always these, these agents or these sports writers that say, why are these kids that are in the pros hanging out with all these lousy people that they were friends with before they became famous because they're such bad people. And I always say to myself, maybe the, the, that sports person is one of those folk, meaning they're a bad person too. So maybe these folk don't know they're bad people and they just are bad people and so well, they hang out the together. Thing, the I, thing about bad people is they usually don't know they're bad people. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Eric. Or they and, and as we talked it. about on the, I know we've discussed this on the show in the past, um, maybe not about friends, but certainly about family. It's sometimes hard to reconcile the fact that a person that you know, you know, is bad. You know, the idea that, you know, every serial killer has a mom. And assuming the yep. mom survived the serial killer, sometimes they may, you know, I don't hear a lot of them going, yeah, I figured there was something wrong with them. Speaking um, of which, there's a connection there. Molly Ringwald played Jeffrey Dahmer's mother in the uh, miniseries that they had on Netflix. Good. Oh, well, that makes me feel better for her. Um, yeah, that, yeah. Now, I have a friend um, I know through Scares of Care, Daniel uh, Brooks and his wife, Karen Brooks. Um, and Daniel is uh, one of the owners, if not the owner, of uh, Fuzzy Monkey Films. So he makes a lot of ultra-low-budget films. And I can't remember who he had in his latest film or one of his recent films. Uh, maybe it was Malcolm McDowell. I don't know. But he basically said that you can get almost anybody for like a day for a few thousand dollars, mm -hmm. you know, but as long as you can get it done within that day, you know, and, and work around their schedule. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, when people say, well, why was, you know, Molly Ringwald, like you said, did it for the paycheck. Um, these are actors. And it's sad to say that, you know, I'm sure – if I meant said Molly Ringwald to any one of my high school students, they would all resoundingly say, who? <laughs> um, because she was very relevant for our generation. Yes. John so movies in the 80s. Right. Not so relevant now. And that's not a knock on her. Most actors don't even get to be relevant for a minute, let alone a decade. Um, but my, also, my students would also not know, say, Clark Gable. They would not know uh, Betty Davis. Davis. But they yeah, know Tom Cruise. They would well, know Tom Cruise. He's, right, he's but still he's, still, he's still relevant, right? So yeah. my point is that there's everyone at some point, we are all forgettable. Um, Shakespeare was not the only one writing plays 500 years ago. We remember him, we remember Marlowe, and then it kind of drifts off. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, in, 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 in 100 years... There's a good chance people will still remember Stephen King, but they may not remember Kuntz uh, or um, Tom Clancy or someone. It's just just because you're popular for a moment doesn't mean you're guaranteed to be famous forever. And fame is very much fleeting. And that's, that's not an unhealthy thing. I think every generation needs their own voices. Every generation needs their own art. There are certainly things that need to be recognized and preserved over time. We hope we pick and choose them correctly. Star Wars trilogy, but um, it's uh, it's just also true that some things eventually get put down and forgotten, and that's fine. It's depressing because it means we're all going to die soon, but it's true.
Now, I will say I didn't see a whole lot of bad things in this movie until the bad things happened. This felt more like annoying people. Yeah, girls doing petty, annoying, not even maybe a little bit naughty things, but not like you know they're doing bad things. Like you got to tell people, you know, make a movie about it. Oh my God! She went in the checkout lane with twelve items. <laughs> um, well, I, I think I think, in my opinion, anyway, a lot of it was uh, they were amoral. I didn't say immoral, but amoral because, in other words, they didn't have any standards of what was right or wrong, and they just were rotten. I feel like I, they were mean girls. I would object to like, that statement because there was discussions about cheating and such. Yeah. And yet they, they all did it, or at least a few of them did. Right. When you're making a horror movie and the worst thing somebody does is cheat, and, and I, I don't – I'm not a fan of cheating, just to be clear. Um, and, you know, I understand in real life, obviously, it happens. Um, but in a movie, uh, you have very few things that define a character, and when the one thing you have to define the character often is their relationship to someone, and they cheat on that, you, you, you're destroyed a huge portion of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, why is it that bothers me so much more in movies and TV than it probably does with people in real life? I guarantee you there's some people who are listening to this right now who have had an affair or two or two somewhere in their life. Um, and I understand humans are humans. We all make mistakes. But for characters, it's a little bit of a different thing because that's all I have to go by. Um, so... You know, but even then, the character starts with, I made a mistake, I'd never do it again. And we all know that that's going to end up being a temptation, otherwise they never would have introduced it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But right. as a yeah. horror movie goes, that's really small beans. Right? I mean, we're not talking... Right. I mean, it, well, it's, about, it's almost like soap opera, right? It, it, it takes away the, from the horror, too, a lot of this. But anyway, continue, Mike. Yeah, it just, it's not dramatic enough, and certainly not the way it was done, right? Because it was it was just a quick fling. And it, was it was a big, strange thing, too. It was like no build-up. Yeah. Let's do it. And I was like, what? That didn't make any sense. But anyway, continue. Yeah, no, I just... Yeah, I didn't care. Um, it wasn't bad enough to get me... No, ooh, that was bad. Nope. Didn't, didn't rob a bank. They didn't go beat up homeless people. They were just petty, mean girls. One of and you know that had trouble keeping it in their pants. Yeah, but the thing is, is it's like, like why, why are we following them? Why do we? You know, you know it's it's like well, and that's the other thing. Nothing. Yeah, go Nothing really happens to them for much of it until kind of the end, and then I'm. At the know. end, it's revealed like, that one of them actually did a bad thing, and then she does another bad thing, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, and, and I didn't feel anything about her bad thing that she did. Right. I know. hated that scene. Right. Well, and also, I, I, I don't know what was going on. Yeah, I mean, because they, I, I read some reviews that said, well, they're, you know, it could be one of those things where uh, it was all made up in someone's head. For example, and and then I'm saying, yeah, all right, I, I can see that, but but then then it's like, yeah, but 
we we don't follow this one character's perspective the whole film. We follow these other characters' perspectives the whole film because we have this one girl with the short hair that was one of the cheaters uh, with the main character, and we followed her a lot as well. And what she saw and what happened to her. So how could any of that been part of made up in the head of the lead character? Right. No, I I, I agree with your point, Phil. The, the changing perspective is a problem. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So so it's it was just strange because I I, I don't even know the point of having the, the short hair woman um, that was the co-cheater have to see what she had to see except to build the backstory of the lead character and yet we don't it, follow the lead character for the whole thing exactly and yeah. also also it was like i mean i don't know yeah yeah just i'll just let it go for now i have okay. a question for you guys once we get past the spoilers i just remembered it well oh, right. yeah go on Mike. Even if, let's say that this was all in the lead character's head, and then it's just bad storytelling by shifting perspective, because I think we've seen that in other movies before, what would be the point? What is it telling us by having it be all in this character's head? How is the movie any different? And if it is all in the character's head, why did we we bother with the character? Right. And if we're going to do that, like, there are some movies where the whole point is showing things from people's perspective. Like, there's a movie, movie I saw... I'll be damned if I can remember what the movie was or who's in it. Um, but it, it, it basically told it. the same story three times from the perspective of three different characters. Uh, Rochamon is, I think, the original, the Japanese film. Okay. So basically, been, basically at the end of the movie, you've been told the same story three times from three different perspectives, and you're left to figure out what the truth is, uh, which I think is kind of cool. But that's not yeah, what this is. movie is doing. No, 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 it's not. Yeah, and at, all. at all, at all. Yeah, and, and so I don't know if, if it's trying to talk about bad parenting or something, because obviously what happens is, is pretty awful to the lead character when she was a child. Um, and it obviously it affects I, I, I you missed what happened to her. You're going to have to explain that to me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. But either way, whatever happened to her, I mean, it's awful – it, oh wait, no, I know. Okay, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. I I just connected it. It was very unclear when they told that story who they were referring to. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because they have the. It, it was bad storytelling. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But but either way, it's like okay, so we get idea that this affected this individual to the point that she obviously needs or, or has become a, a behavioral health individual, and okay, but. Was that the only point of the film? I, I adapt, be a good mom, or or, or or attentive mom rather than. I mean, I'm sure she was probably a half decent mom, but but attentive rather than not. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what what the point of the film was. It's there like there was said. no point of the film, Phil. So stop trying to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> you're just wasting your energy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just. I'm just well, I'm and just, it's interesting because the scene that they show that she relives near the end is like a more recent thing that would have happened. At least that's what it seems like. It almost seemed like it was suggesting that's what set her off, but I don't know. I'm still unclear as to whether that was just, whether that was an event that happened she was remembering or whether that was just a hallucination. 
I yeah. think it was an event she was remembering. I know. Or, or, what I'll or, say is or, both a hallucination of an event that she was remembering. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's a better way to say it. I think the lesson is that you're, when you're a girlfriend, and all anyone has really in this movie are girlfriends, so I, I can't say whether it pertains to boyfriends too, but maybe it does. When your girlfriend says, "I don't want to go somewhere," <laughs> listen don't to go that. There. Don't go. Right. Because you don't know why they don't want to go. Right. Also, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, there's, there's two weird things. Is why would, did, did she inherit this place? Because they don't talk about why or how, or, or at least if they did, I missed it. And, and so there's no backstory about that. I think but, the grandmother owned the place. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. So the grandmother gave it to, her rather than the mom. Her granddaughter, because I think we can we can infer yeah. that since her mom was kind of a shitty person, that that maybe her grandmother was just like, nope, not giving it to her, and went straight to the granddaughter. Yeah, maybe you're right. Okay, so so the thing that's weird is is if if it affected her to the point of what we see in this movie. What happened to her at a young age at this location? Why would she want to go back and have a party there? Unless this is the reason why people are saying, "Oh, this is all in her mind." But she then again, want to go back. She made that explicitly clear. Yeah, she, I know. Going but, back, they basically are going to sell the place. She's going to do a little work there to make the place more livable. I think, right? Because there's at one point she goes to work on the on the electricity or something. Um, and then she has to sign the deal. Right. And that's the goal. Sell this place. Right. Her friends decide to come along. I don't know whose decision that was. They're going to turn into a party, and her girlfriend, uh, is, uh, who is the, uh, Cal, I think is, yeah, was yeah, yeah, a trans woman, her, yeah, her, her girlfriend, yeah. is also, like, majored in hospitality and kind of wants to try her hand at running a hotel and is kind of urging her not to sell the hotel. So I right. think that is where an interpersonal conflict comes in, but it's not like a major conflict. It's a thing right. that they kind of talk about, you know, but, you know, that would be nice. What if we did? It's not the most engrossing thing. Um, and, you know, so it's basically, are we selling the hotel or are we, are we keeping it? And that's, that is a, a conflict among those characters. And there's two other characters on the side. Um, and um, one of them is a girl, uh, Fran. Was it Fran? Yeah, Fran and Maddie, I think, right? With the dark hair, which, who, who is the one that they're shitting on behind her back because, like, why did you invite her along? And she had a recent cancer scare. And when that's the first thing you find out about this character, and they're all shitting on her, yeah, that's kind uh, of disgusting. Yeah, that 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 does not help. Um, now, it could be that the character is like a hypochondriac, and she didn't really have a cancer scare, or she was lying about that. Um, if that was the case, they did a very very bad job of making that clear to me. Um, I don't know if they didn't make that clear to the rest of the audience. I'm always willing to admit I missed something. Uh, but to the best of my knowledge, they make a comment where they didn't see a biopsy scar. I'm guessing it's breast cancer because they didn't see anything, uh, a scar on her torso. 
Yeah, that was too light light for me to believe that that was definitive that she lied. Exactly. And I don't know that any one of them knows what a biopsy score looks like. Right. Uh, Because I don't. Um, I'm fucking 53 years old today. So, and I've had members of my family get biopsies. I never went, ooh, can I see the scars? Because my mother told me to stop doing that when it was a tiny child. But, um... (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, they're not medical experts, but they're so they're basically shitting on someone, as far as we can tell, who may or may not who had a cancer scare, and they're shitting on her because she had a cancer scare, and they don't make it clear enough that this person is a person who maybe has a habit of lying and exaggerating to get attention, which would have helped us not like her. But then you get the question of why was the person asked along in the first place. Well, and I found yep. it odd that they're making this LGBTQ movie and all the characters are unlikable. I was fine with that because... Yeah, I was fine with that. I mean... Just, I'm fine people, with it. It just seems suck. an Is odd choice. People suck, right, Eric? There's, there's no reason LGBTQ people can't be haunted. There's no reason they can't be assholes. I actually am very glad that we're moving past the stage where the LGBTQ people have to be the angelic figure in any story. And that they're perfectly fine making them it, an occasional asshole. It just That's didn't great. feel real to me. Like, everybody was so hateful. Why would this group of people ever be together? Well, we see this in a lot of B-movie horror films, right, where people just assholes to each other and stuff. Uh, unfortunately, Not everybody. What? No, yeah, right, but there's a lot of films we've seen like that. The difference is, is those films, we have a serial killer in the background that takes one of them out without any about without anybody knowing in the first five minutes. Here, we got 40 minutes of nothing. Right. You, you get the ones where it's like the, the, the criminal gang that's robbing a bank or something, and they're all together just because they're part of the criminal enterprise. They're, they have the set of skills that are required, and then once they get the money, they go their separate ways. Um, you can get the um, group of friends well, together, yeah. but they've all kind of drifted apart and don't really belong well, together anymore. There's all sorts of things where that happens. In this case, I just think that there's three of the friends that seem to be okay. It's just the one, and they keep asking repeatedly, why did you bring her? And and we never really get a good answer as to why the person number four brought along person number three. Well, and I think one of the biggest issues with this movie is that um, – like you're like you're saying, there's there's a lot of opportunity for story, and we don't get it there. Um, uh, like that first forty minutes of the movie, clearly the people making this movie were enamored with the location, um, and it was probably pretty cool to get that location to shoot. But they seemed way more focused on showing you different parts of the hotel. And making sure, and I, I mean, you could tell that, that a lot of the shots were done with 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 a great deal of care. You could tell that they they took the effort to make the shot look the way they wanted the shot to look. Um, but I think they would have been better served putting some of that effort into the script. Um, yeah. And I'll say, like, there's, I, there's issues. <laughs> I even noted I liked the very what I think was the first shot of the film, which is just the lead. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. It was uh, this it was this. Uh, from what it looked to me, now she's clearly like a girl in her 20s or a young woman in her 20s. Um, it just looked like a, a girl with uh, like walking through the snow swinging a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, this looks interesting. Yep. And yeah, I that wrong. scene was good. 
I was yeah, very the best scene of the film. That's probably why they had it. And, and it is foreshadowing. The chainsaw goes coming back into play. All she's doing is chopping up a, a tree that's blocking the road. Um, and that's fine. Um, but uh, I just wish there was more. One character in the film sees ghosts. The other characters don't. I don't think we ever get a sufficient answer as to why that is. That's what um, I was going to ask you guys about. No. Right, right. And, well, and, those ghosts, and those ghosts are related to another character. They have no, nothing to do with her. Yeah. Oh, okay, so if you call out what's going on there, you're going to have to explain it to me after we get past yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. And, you know, like, and again, I compared this to The Shining. I'm not aware that other critics had done so, but, you know, you basically have a group of people in an abandoned hotel in the wintertime where somebody's seeing ghosts and seems to be going a little crazy. And people are getting paranoid. I, it's not hard to draw a Shining comparison. But right, right. imagine if in The Shining, if there was a fourth family member, and that fourth family member is the one who's seeing ghosts, not Jack Torrance and not Danny Torrance. Seeing, it's, it's, it's Susie Torrance who's seeing, seeing the ghosts. And then two-thirds of the way through the movie, they kill off Susie Torrance, who was the only person who had been seeing the ghosts up to that point. Well, then what was the whole point of the goddamn ghosts? Right. Yep. Yeah, it was a bad way of giving the backstory of the lead character for the audience because otherwise there was no point for this one character to see the ghosts, nor did it have really anything to do with the rest of the film either, and or, or the fact that it may have been in the mind of the lead character. Yeah, well, it definitely, I think, affected the lead character, and that's the, the significance of it. But, yeah, like... But it was the wrong perspective. Why. Right. It, we don't know why this other girl sees it. Right. They're given no reason for that. Right. Yeah, they, they should have been seen through the eyes of the lead character and the lead character only. Um, at least in my opinion. But, again, maybe, maybe if, we, you know, the director came out and said, well, actually, no, the hotel was scary and it wasn't, uh, I mean, ghostly, and it wasn't in the mind of the lead character. And it's like, okay, then I, I, I still don't get it, though. You know, I mean, and Eric, you had a great point because the, the location is great. Mike made a great point. The first shot is awesome. I had no issues with the cinematography or the set locations or the costume design or even the music, you know, very, you said it was mediocre, which is fine because it wasn't great. But, it, you know, it, it was it didn't bother me. It was an indie film. I've heard worse. Yeah. But the problem yeah. was, the problem was, and we've seen a lot of great indie films for this podcast, cause, and a lot of times those are the ones that we list as the best film of the year. But this film, script is just so terrible. That It's like you said, Eric, they should have put the, all the money into the script or, or something because – what we get is a film that looks okay for an indie film that is just a horrible script. Well, so let me – I want to ask something. So in the beginning, I felt like this place was kind of remote, and then at the end, it's totally not. Did anyone else right. feel that way? That, well, well that's, I, yeah, I, I totally feel the same way, Barry, but I'm what I'm unclear on is, is whether that was actually the same location or not. Because I don't think you – like at the end of the movie, they end up near a strip mall, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I don't think you ever see a shot where you see both the strip mall and the hotel. I, that, so I think that just may have been somewhere else, and I don't know 
why they made the decision to make it look like it was next <laughs> to the hotel. Because well, I had the same feeling. I don't think like it was. Right. Well, and you know, there's the train station. All this other stuff. So, so it's like it wasn't like they were they were stuck, right? It, it wasn't like like The Shining, where they're in the middle of the mountains and the snow. <laughs> right. You know, where, the only it way to get not it. like The Shining. And no. no, but they they did have to. They didn't have a car, so they had to Uber to the train station. And the train right, station, so, yeah. So there's Ubers around. So right. again, this, so there's this Ubers. is not a rural. Right. This is so Uber. I don't get. It. So you, you got Uba. So you got that's a Boston accent for you. But so th- it doesn't make any sense. It's like like they're, they're not stranded. They're just not. So well, and during 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 the scene where they're they're near the strip mall, they actually see somebody going by, and they they have absolutely no reaction to what's going on. <laughs> they're just do 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 do. It's like what <laughs> really. Well, that this is where I read some of the reviews, and that's where a lot of the reviews said, "Oh, it was all must be in her mind." Because no, that makes absolutely reaction. no sense in her mind. I would concur. This movie I, would be totally even worse, not understandable I, if that were. No, the case. And, <laughs> I, yeah, and I, I, I was I was shocked by that because again, you get the sense that this is an abandoned hotel, and then you see a character in one cut walk off the parking lot of the hotel into a, into a parking lot of a mini mall. And if those two places are far away from each other, then that's supposed to be, that's really fucking awful editing. Um, if it's supposed to be some weird reveal, that, ah, see, they were there all along. <laughs> um, there was a, like, for example, there's a uh, Robert Altman film, the name of which I cannot remember, uh, with Jeff Goldblum, came out probably in the 80s. Um, and at the end of the film, it's in the, they're all American characters, but at the end of the film, they pull back and they reveal they've been in Paris the whole time. And it's kind of like a running joke in the film. Um, there was a point to revealing that they're always in Paris the whole time. Um, here, there's like no point pulling back and revealing, aha, there was a Starbucks right across the street. Right. Yeah. It's not like they were starving to death in the hotel. And, you know, it's, oh, if they had only got, what, ventured out the back door, they would have seen there was a lot of stuff all along. Um, no, there was there was nothing. There was no point to it, uh, and, and I was left confused. Maybe maybe I made the mistake in assuming there was some remote place, um, but I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, right. I, I will say this: like the, you know, the critics, uh, it got very mixed reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and um, you know, it's like the RogerEbert.com website. Two reviews: one saw it at Tribeca, and one saw it last week. And they both trashed it. And other reviewers liked it. And and, and so a lot of reviews I've read that liked it, you could tell they were they they were they were getting to interview the director or they were getting to you know, getting the free screen or, or something. Because a lot of the reviews sounded a little fo- these reviews sounded phony that were positive. And and so I'm I'm thinking uh the movie it was getting even better reviews for reasons that were beyond the, what we saw on the screen. And and so, I don't know. It's Especially when we're pointing out these things now, like, well, they're not remote. They had Ubers. They're, they're, there's probably a Starbucks across the street at that mall. You know, and, and on and on. And so it's just unfortunate. Well, I mean, I, I understand there are going to be some people uh, who will say um, – 
you know, well, they're they're happy to see a film with LGBTQ representation. Or in this yeah, yeah, there was a lot of, of reviewers that, that focused on, on that point. Yeah, but go on. Right, for this case with trans representation. That's um, true. And and that's and that's fine, right? If you're, it's if, but I hope. I mean, I see, I do see a lot of things. Maybe it's just my shit that I'm watching. I could be wrong. I see a lot of things now where it feels like there are trans and gay characters in almost everything I watch, and um. You shouldn't have to settle for a shitty film just because it's got that character. Don't you want to say, oh, that's a point right. in its favor. Um, and I'm not saying that identification isn't important. I'm sure that there is uh, the fact that I have an Italian family, uh matters a little bit in, their inter- in terms of their enjoyment of The Godfather because they certainly recognize a lot of elements of that in themselves. But it is not the only reason that they enjoy The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, representation is fine, but do them the favor of putting them in a good movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, yeah, that's a fair point. I, I will read this, and, and they, they, I did read it in, in some review articles too, but uh, it is actually written here on Wiki, and not that Wiki matters because Wiki is Wiki, and we know that it, yeah, it has some issues. Um, but – I don't, did we even do the wiki? I don't even think yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. So, um, but uh, the writer uh, says, yeah, when creating the film, the writer and director, Stuart Thorndike, uh, wanted to feature a predominantly female and LGBTQ cast as she felt that these groups were not properly represented in horror and thriller cinema. And that's fine. Um, that's right. Absolutely right. And she she stated that she wanted to show female versions of Travis Bickle and Jack Torrance. Okay, I, don't, I, I didn't see that. But either way, um, the, the thing is, is and you know, we, we, we know Jordan Peele, like he, he says he likes to focus on um, uh, black folk or African-American folk as, as the leads. Um, and that's, that's fine, too. And the difference is, is he writes – Good screenplays usually. I mean, they, I, I've had some issues with uh, us, for example, and whatnot. But, but generally, you know, he's he's, he's done quite well. Um, so it's like you said, Eric. It's like, all right, if if you want that to be one of your main focuses uh, to as a representation of a group of people that you feel um, should should get more representation. In this case, female and LGBTQ. That's fine. But like you said, Eric. Yeah, I mean. Make a good story. <laughs> well, and I think, look, it's very easy for us. I mean, me, no, but uh, me and Barrett have done reviews for the past four years now of LGBTQ films during June for the Halloween Boutique Sacred Specifically L. 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 Uh, right, right. And, and, and we got some lemons, but we got some damn good films. Damn good films. And so it can, it, it's, this is, ain't a good film. Even well, though this, this is L and T, but this is just not a good film. No, I'll just say, because and, and, um, this is, this would qualify for our June month because of the, like you said, Eric, the L. And but but it's just terrible. Well, we have criticized other filmmakers, and um, like I said, it's very easy for us to sit here. I like, I thought for me, the cinematography was fine. I thought the performances were fine. Um, Obviously, we talk a lot about getting production value, and you know, shit. You got your own hotel production I think, value. I think uh, the performances weren't 
as good as you, you, you're claiming, but that's fair. I mean, well, that's that's that, that, that's yeah. always going to be subjective. I thought they yeah. were fine. I'm not saying they were Oscar worthy. Um, uh, what was it? Vi? What was that one we saw a couple of years ago? Where the I thought the actress just knocked it out of the park with the the. Oh yeah, yeah, the British film was it? I can't remember. Uh, anyway, it's yeah. um. So, uh, it, it was, but like we've knocked say Zack Snyder, because Zack Snyder. I think can direct the hell out of a movie, but he sucks at writing scripts. Um, you got to know where your limitations are. And a lot of filmmakers, unfortunately, when they get success, let it go to their heads. And so if you're going to take a constructive criticism from this, it's that, you know, whatever your next film is, go send it to someone who does, you know, advice, who can help you out. Um, I, like I've mentioned many times in the past that I listen to the podcast uh, Writers Blockbusters, and uh, Jimmy George has a business where he gives feedback on people's scripts. It costs a couple hundred bucks. I understand you're on a tight budget, but you will make way more money if you have a script that is good and make a good film than if you release a shitty film. Get that script right. The script is probably the cheapest part of the entire thing. Unless you cast your mom in the film. Yep. Right. So get that. And get that done. Get that right. Seek out advice from people who know what they're doing, who know about screenplays, and can point out, because sometimes the, the, the problems are not obvious. Um, and they may seem good to you. Um, and, and like I said, I'm not trying to shit on the film. I really am not. Uh, and I think, and I always say, like Eric said, I think it's an achievement that you just get that far. And this is, to me, this is criticizing uh, somebody in the minor leagues or the little league as opposed to criticizing somebody who's getting paid $10 million a year to play baseball. But you know what? We, we've, we've, like I said, we've reviewed a lot of indie films with budgets yeah. as low as this one that have become the best film of the year. Or yeah. like we've we said, like eight out of t every 10 films in our top 10 are usually indie films. He's not trying to say it's a good film film. Well, all he's saying is that there's a difference between this film and a Marvel film. That's all. Right, but I'm just trying to say that it also proves, based off of all the other great films that we've reviewed, that this film is just bad, and, and there is no excuse for it. No, but my point is, is saying, I'm, not, I'm just saying it's not a reason either to take, not that I think, Anyone out there is just secretly waiting to hear what Dark Discussions says about their film. Um, yeah, that's but I think I don't think you're serving anybody if you, especially in this position, if you don't give constructive criticism. You know, I don't want to just shit on the film because I don't think it was completely worthless, and I don't want to uh, just give it a pass, which can be condescending. But Mike, we, we going to say I think that the elements were there. I just think it needed a the, the script needed to be tighter. Um, but, but, that, but we, Mike, that when you got people who are lost watching the film, who don't understand the theme, who don't know what it's about, um, and they don't care about the characters, it's that's rough. Right, right. Well, and 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 again, there's a problem here because again, you know, we we just did, watched a film a couple of weeks ago, uh, Follow Her, right? And and we all thought that was a great hidden gem, and that that budget was probably less than this one. You know, we saw that's fine, uh, but it's still it's a matter of taking someone. I'm, I'm, it's a matter of me just saying for someone who has 
uh, never done this before, but giving a word of encouragement, trying to just give some some helpful advice. Well, this is, I think this is a second film, but yeah, that's fair. Well, it's fine, but I'm saying I, no, I'm saying I've never done it before. You've never done it before. Barrett and Eric have never done it before. It is a huge accomplishment to have done that, and I've known people who always talk about the movie they're going to make. They never actually get off their ass and do it. Um, I shared a post recently, one of those memes that comes around Facebook, and it points out, hey, your first time doing anything is going to suck. Your first story is going to suck. Your first podcast is going to suck. Yeah, I I took that meme and and posted it on my Facebook page. And I think that's very true. And I think you you can point to a lot of filmmakers who will look at the things they've done, and, you know, that may have been their first efforts, and they'll go, oh, yeah, that was just – So so I want to comment on that. I want to comment on that idea. Let me go, Phil. Yeah, so I agree with you. It's good to give constructive criticism, and I do think the biggest failure of this movie is the script. Um, I do not agree that the acting was okay. I thought it was not very good. Um, they could work on that. And I'm also not going to feel bad that I didn't like the movie either, and I'm willing to say that I didn't like it, what I didn't like about it. Um, and so you should. I think I just want to jump in and I, I think Mike needs a translator here. <laughs> Mike's not trying to say this is a good movie. He's not trying to say that. I know that. Good, that is, that is uh, only because it's got a low budget that it has some problems. I think what he's saying is that if you're going to criticize a film, don't just sit around and say it sucks. Say the specific reasons why you didn't like it. That's and I think that's what we're doing. So yeah. I'm not sure what the point is, Mike, for, for you to, to say in this. You don't get it, so let's move on. Well, I, I get that, like you said, these people that sit on their ass and never never make the film, even though they say they're going to, and all this other stuff and whatnot. And, and, and as Eric said at the beginning, it's a lot of effort to make a film, and good for them. And, you know, I have never made the film, but they have, so good for them. So I feel bad to trash the film and whatnot, and that's fine. And I think that's what you're trying to say, Mike, and that's fine. But, I, you know, we I don't can think go... I said I feel bad about trashing the film. I don't like the film. I just think it's better to give honest feedback, but honest feedback, especially for someone who's kind of starting out their career, mm-hmm. I think is, is important. And that's all I'm saying. That's all okay. I was saying. And you're trying that's to – I'm not saying anything else. I'm not justifying anything. I'm not rationalizing anything. I'm just saying I think there's enough there that they can do something better if they have a better script. Yeah, I would concur. Absolutely, and sure. my no. only and my only point my only point was is that we've seen films like Follow Her and The Artifice Girl and Candyland and whatnot this year that were all yeah low I, budget I, yeah, I get that and that's why yeah. we didn't have to say that to those things not yeah, everyone 45. with the same budget produces the same quality of work especially not the first or second time out sure sure that's right. And, and okay, I, I concur. So yeah, this is a good point to bring up, especially a point that's non. Spoiler related, but just as general, you know, indie films and and whatnot, and and how try and try again and don't give up. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's get the spoilers. Yeah, all right. So we'll throw up the spoiler alert here, and we'll talk about anything and everything uh, related to the film. So the spoiler alert is up. Uh, the film is available for free right now on Shutter. If you're in the United States, I know. Uh, I was talking to Sean Fox, uh, who's one of our sometime co-hosts. He, he's in Canada. He doesn't get get. It's not 
there's no shutter up there, so I don't know how he could get the film. But at least in the States, that's where you can get it. For other folks, you'll have to do your research for if you're in Mexico, U.S., I mean, Canada or U.K. or wherever. Um, all right. So They don't actually have movies in, in Canada. They just have people that draw on the raw wall really quick. <laughs> yeah, Shutter, Shutter doesn't, doesn't release in Canada because Shutter has taste. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, let's. Uh, all right, so spoilers are up. So uh, what do we want to do? Phil, explain the fucking ghost to me. Explain these joggers. I don't get it. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Basically, what happened? Ruth, who's the lead character, as a little girl, and her mom, who is this big realtor type person that you know is on on like YouTube videos, and and then also um, has made some good money. Uh, visited her gram. Her grandmother's house, uh, I mean, a hotel, or in the mother's case, her mother's hotel. And what happened was, is during some closing time, if I'm not mistaken, um, her mother got sidetracked. And basically, it was probably because of a guy based off of what we see later in the film. Um, and forgets, leaves the daughter at the hotel, just assuming she'd be safe there and whatnot. And what happens instead is the daughter is left in the hotel for three months – I mean, not three months, three days with with no food, electricity, and all this other problem, heat. And so what happens is she – when they find her, she's all traumatized, obviously, and she has frostbite as well, um, probably from trying to figure out how to get – you know, find, go somewhere, even though it still makes no sense unless when she was a little girl there was no – um, mall, and the mall is just a new thing. I don't know. And so the ghost that, that she, her, the girl that she cheats with, and was that Fran or was that Maddie? I, I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. Wait, 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 Fran was the girl, the one that they were all picking on. All right, so it was the girl that they were all picking on, Franny. So what happens is is Franny starts seeing these ghosts Um up here, and, and for, to her, she doesn't even think they're ghosts. She, she just thinks they're just people, and it's like, oh, I didn't know you people showed up here. But what it is is one of those ghosts is Ruth as a little girl. So so it's not even a ghost. It's, it's I don't even know what it, you would call that because it's it's not Ruth's soul or, or ghost because she's not dead. But either way, it's, Ruth is one of those, those uh, ghostly haunts, and she says – my fingers, I can't feel because I have frostbite or something. And so she said, yeah, she said, I can't feel my fingers. And she lifts up her hand and three or whatever fingers were left on the table. Yeah. And it looked to me like frostbite. She doesn't say why. But even then at that moment, I wrote down in my notes frostbite as, um, as a possible answer just because of the way they were discolored. Indeed, indeed. And, and so basically what it is, is it was filling in the backstory of Ruth and what happened to her as a child by her uh, unaware and, and uncaring mother. And so, so why, how the fuck is the girlfriend seeing it? What, that's what it was that's exactly why, the question. Exactly. So why is Franny seeing it? Unless, so all I can think of is it's either a bad script or it wasn't in the mind of Ruth after all, and only part of the film is in Ruth's mind. But again, why is Franny the only one seeing the ghosts? Again, it's 
it seems like it's and not even ghosts. It makes no yeah. sense. Right, she's right, seeing right. a memory that she'd never experienced. Right, 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 exactly. Right. If you were to now, I I may have missed something because I because they go there thinking the hotel might be haunted. Um, which adds a third thing to why they're there, which I think just again adds. You don't want to have them too many reasons why characters do a thing. <laughs> I was like, are they there to fix up the hotel, to sell the hotel, to open up the hotel, to have a party, or to find ghosts? Which is yes. the reason that they're there. And in real life, you can kill a thousand birds with a single stone, and that's fine. In a story that you have less than 90 minutes to tell, try to make your motivation simple and clear. Um or at least assign one motivation to each of the individual characters. This person's here to sell the hotel. This person's here to party. This person's here to find ghosts. Um, but if they had a conversation, and again, maybe they did, and I missed it. Uh, if they have a conversation where they say, um, you know, I think get ghosts are just like an, an echo of past events, of people's trauma. All right, then that kind of, that could explain it. Right, as opposed to dead spirits, right? That this was a traumatic event from this girl's past, and that's left strong echoes there, you know. But again, why is the oh echoes interesting? Why is she the one that's the only yeah, one? Why seeing seeing, uh, yeah, why is Franny seeing? Yeah, why is Franny? Or why is Fran seeing them? More importantly, why is Fran the only one who sees them? And you know where we get, with, you know, go back to The Shining, which is. Really, an unfair yardstick to measure anything up against. Yeah, um, but, but the directors, writers, the director did it right. You, yeah. Right, but you look and you can see where. Okay, a lot of those ghosts, you can kind of get an idea. You know what happened to them there, or that some weird shit was going down with a guy in a bear suit or whatever. Um, here, it's just people there for the weekend to go on a marathon, or that were exercising, or. I don't know what the fuck they were doing, and I, I, I don't know. I understand the girl. The girl almost lost her fingers. She didn't because she's here now. It's creepy if she lost her fingers. But which says even more that it's a memory, right? Right. So it's not even uh, really a memory, but she did, right? Because she didn't even lose her fingers; they just hurt. Right. So it's not a ghost, and it's not an echo. It's not a, a thing that really happened. And is it a manifestation of her fears? Well, why is she? Is the girl psychic? Right. That's again something else. The Shining establishes is that you have two characters. You have a character who's psychic, and then a character who might be psychic. Um, in 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 Jack and Danny, and that explains why they're the ones that see ghosts, and Wendy doesn't. Wendy does at the end, though. Yes, but. It, but again, that's when the hotel. That's when the hotel, right? Right? Yeah. So, but again, they explain that in The Shining, right? Because they say, "Oh, you have The Shining," and you know, right? And there's, yeah, and there's nothing of, here like you know. I've been seeing. I, I used to like when I was a girl and we were here. I used to see things all the time. Doesn't say that, right? And it doesn't say Franny is susceptible to ghosts. You know, maybe they could since they said this hotel is haunted. And this is one of the reasons we're coming. We could have had Franny say, "Yeah, I've seen ghosts in the past," and but they didn't have any of that, right? Oh yeah, I, I always I used to have I used always used to have trouble sleeping. I always used to see things. My mother always told me I was crazy, or that right. she thought I was making things up. Little things like that, just to give us an an explanation. And again, but like, there are like things- Black Phone, Black Phone did that. Remember right. the, the kids? Yeah. So 
And I will agree if someone wants to raise the, the specter of, well, you don't need to explain everything. That's true. But you need to give us enough pieces of the puzzle to put it together. And you have four. And, care. and you have four grown-ass men, all of whom have uh, some measure of education, who have watched thousands of films like this. And we don't know what the fuck you were trying to say. So something got lost in translation. I can't imagine that all four of us watched the same thing and all four of us missed the same explanation four times. I mean, this happens all the time where one of us misses something and someone else jumps in. Oh, no, no, you forgot the fact that she smelled like a strawberry. Oh, now it all makes sense. Okay. That happens on the podcast often. I don't hear anybody jumping to the defense saying, no, 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 they explained it this way. <laughs> right. Right. And, well, and, and Mike, you brought some good points up here. It's like, oh, it could have been an echo if it's not ghosts. And, or it could be this, or, you know, psychic, or, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But again, you're just saying it could possibly be that, which is all fair. But, but as a viewer, it's not it, my job to offer explanations. Right. And there's no, there's nothing in the film anywhere that says uh, that that alludes to something. It, you, you need the Chekhov's gun if you're going to have those things as as Chekhov's. But right. the problem well, is, I don't even know if they were Chekhov's guns or if it's just bad screenwriting. For example, my wife and I just saw. Uh, Talk to me. And when we walked out, my wife asked me, she like she didn't understand why the thing happened at the end. And I said, I think it happened because of this. Now, it was a little unclear. It sounds to me from uh, that other people may be unclear on it. And I'm not saying I'm right, but at least I was able to get something from the film and offer it up as a possible explanation using what they give you in the film. And I think that's right. I could be wrong, but at least I had something to grab onto. And I didn't have anything here grab it onto to offer an explanation. I would concur. So that's where there's a big problem with why one person saw all these things without her ever saying that maybe when she, like you said, Mike, when she was younger, she saw things and her mother thought, you know, they were just the boogeyman or you're dreaming or, or you're crazy. Um, and then, why? But but, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's all that's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no reason for her to have seen any of the ghosts or echoes, because that's what they they have to be, or or, or some sort of weird interpretation. Because they're not even echoes, right? Because she's talking to her, saying, "Yeah, see, my fingers, you know, are, uh, they're cold and they fall off, whatever." And because none of that actually happened either, and yet it's all an allusion to what happened to Ruth as a kid. So if it was echoes, it would be she would see exactly seeing this little eight-year-old girl echoing, you know, the the, the phantom would be the echo, but there it isn't a, a, a echo. So I, I don't I don't even know what it is. It, it's unfortunate. So I'm sorry I had to step away for a moment, but uh, have we explained the joggers yet? No, I, I don't I think they were I, just there when that happened. It was the, all just the, a symbol of time being a flat circle. <laughs> uh, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I and see, this they is were another thing with jogging outside when she was trapped in there and her fingers got frostbite. Right. All right. Which, once again, the person seeing it never nothing, wasn't there. 
Yeah, but that has. What does that have to do right. with the joggers? <laughs> and, and, and why, why is Franny saying it? Right, right. And and by the way, there is always a danger of over-explaining. Um, and I have another filmmaker friend who posted sometime last year. Uh, I think uh, kind of feeling a little irate after probably reading a couple of criticisms of one of his movies, you know, saying when people complain, if you're one of those people who complains that the filmmakers explain too much, try making a movie because nobody fucking understands things unless you explain it blatantly um, was basically the essence of his post. But I've certainly seen enough deleted scenes. I know I've seen it with uh, like uh, scenes from, from Cameron films where there's scenes in the film that are filmed for the sole purpose of communicating a point to the audience, and then when they watch the final cut, they go, you know what, that's really not necessary. We've made the idea clear, and then they pull it out. You think it's always better to start with over-explaining and then cutting out those explanations if you don't need them. But but sometimes seems clear on the page is not always clear when it hits the screen. So start with over-explaining, preferably not through just pointless exposition. Especially nowadays when everything's digital, so it's not like you're you're spending money on film and, and right. you have to be careful. Well, and again, it's, well, time is money, and you know I don't know. I'm sure they had to pay some of these actors, uh, and probably all the actors. I don't think this was not a family production uh, like the Adams family that we uh, have up in uh, uh, Ulster County. Um, right, right. That you know, it's where the, where the, the three family members do almost everything in the film. Um, yeah. Not, not the Gomez and Morticia well, family. Actually, four, but, but one of them went to college. But yeah. Right. yeah. So, yeah, if you need, but and I understand, yes, it's, if you say, but if I have her say something, that imply that she's like, the whole audience is going to know. It's like, yeah, but they won't be confused. There's, there's only so much you can, the audience is only going to be shocked and surprised if they give a shit and they understand what's going on. You're surprised. But, well, be- and I think this is probably. <laughs> this is probably a, a negative impact on storytelling that was uh, created by M.I. Shyamalan. Because uh, when he did The Sixth Sense, everybody was like, ooh, twist. It's so awesome. And so, like, everybody after that, including him, I might add, felt the requirement to put a twist in their movie because they didn't think it would be cool unless they had a twist. Um and and sometimes it's just like no, just uh, no, nah, just tell the story. Just tell the story. Yeah, yeah, right. Unfortunately, well, here they wanted to tell a story, but they didn't have a twist. But they didn't set it up either, because they could have set up, like we said, uh, you know, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because right, again, almost every film has a turn, a surprise moment that the audience hopefully doesn't expect. Um, like in, you know, maybe in Star Wars, it's you know Han Solo returning to save Luke at the last second, and you go, oh my God, it wasn't. It, it's not a big thing. It's just that Sixth Sense was so freaking good, right? And you can go back to you know Hitchcock and Psycho yeah. and stuff like that. That's been around forever, but it just happened to be hit that cultural zeitgeist with Sixth Sense that everyone felt the need to do it. And right. we've talked about this in the past. Not everything needs a twist. I've always used the example of Finding Nemo where they tried to hide the fact that um, Nemo's mother was murdered, was killed by a barracuda until the final end of the film. And you go, oh, that's why Marlon was such an asshole to his son the entire time. But they realized by that point in the film, everybody hated the character of Marlon so much that the twist didn't matter anymore. What and they said, okay, Finding Nemo. 
Okay, yeah, right. And they said, okay, but at the beginning of the film, people understand why Marlon is an asshole. We lose the twist, twist, but the lead character actually has the empathy of the audience, which is far more important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Saving yep. vital information to uh, for a surprise reveal <laughs> often does not work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like I've seen somebody tell the, like they tell the joke and they get done to the joke and they said, "Oh, didn't I not say that the horse was red?" You know, like, oh, you wonder why the joke fell flat. You know, it's just, <laughs> um, yeah, no, you left that part out. If you told us that, might have been funny. Uh, but it's too late. The moment has passed. The joke is no longer funny because you forgot the important information. And so when you throw the punchline out in the film, make sure you give the audience everything they need to appreciate it. Yep, it's true. It's true. I mean, they, they could they could have done that, unfortunately. You know, I mean, they set it up to be that way because the one reason they were going to the hotel was because they, oh, it could be haunted. That'd be kind of cool. But you know, I mean, did it, it doesn't really... work unless you're seeing apparitions of of yeah. dead people. But the apparitions were like the person who's standing right there. So that's dumb. Yeah, and they were, <laughs> and, they, and they weren't dead people, and they yet they weren't echoes. Because they were only partly true, so it doesn't. Maybe she was dead all along. She was dead when she went to school. She was dead when she went to college. She was dead when she had the affair. <laughs> it's been her ghost the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah really, just pisses me off the the, the change of um, characters' uh, perspectives, especially when is it the only way. Is that it has to be haunted or partly some super some supernatural event is happening, but for some reason it's only for that one girl, and yet the other girl is crazy in the first place, and yet they're not stuck there because there's Ubers and and malls and trains. So I, I don't know. I don't, I just, it's frustrating. It's a frustrating film, and and it, and it, it's what you said earlier. It does suck to rip into people's work, and and again, it's not because we want to. I mean, every every film we I go in mind, you know, I'm hoping it's a good film. Yes, we would we would love it if we enjoyed every movie we watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and we do we usually lock out because one person usually has seen the film and so they can warn us if it's bad or not and so we we will just skip it and not even review it and therefore there won't be any negative feedback on someone's work. Uh, but sometimes, we, you know, it's a brand new film and, and we just go in blind. Um, well, I mean, there is a danger. There's a, If you go to the, the Shutter Facebook page, there's a guy on there um, who reviews like every movie he sees and every single one of them is a masterpiece. Every <laughs> single one is the best movie ever. And he just gushes about every movie. And so everybody there just ignores him because you can't like everything. It's not like he has one or two weird, you know. When everything is the best likes. movie ever, nothing is the best movie ever. Exactly. As we have learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know this is a, it's a, it's a joke, but, but – that that's a fair point. It's it's it, it's it is what it is. And and I liked your point, Barrett, this afternoon when you said, you know, "Hello, can you still hear me?" Yep. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, there's something weird about my thing. Um, but the, the thing is, what you said, Barrett, this afternoon, which is, you know, some some of these VOD services are just grabbing any film, and you know, for some reason, this film played at Tribeca, and and you know, so Shutter snagged it, and then you know, they 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 put it on their thing, and 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 it is right on their front page. It's in the scroll when you open up the Shutter app. It's it's the first film that pops up. Because uh, I was beginning to type in bad things, you know, to look it up and, and start watching it. And it's like, oh, it's right here. It's the first film because it's a brand new film. Um, so well, I recently – film, film festivals are weird because I don't – I mean, maybe somebody can give me an example of when this has happened. But I, I don't recall a time when there's been, like, a film that premiered at a festival and everybody crapped all over it. Like, I think people are generally excited about seeing – you know, world premieres at, at festivals, and and maybe it's just because of that general positive attitude that that movies generally get positive reviews at film festivals. Um, but I, I don't, yeah. Well, I think that's part of it. I think it's the mood and the atmosphere. Film festivals are also curated, right? Nobody just gets to say, "Here's my five hundred bucks, uh, show my movie." Because the people running the film festival want people to have a good time. They have a reputation to maintain. And so if they're a halfway decent film festival uh, who is not desperate for entries, they'll get, you know, ten times more submissions than they can show. And they will pick and choose the ones that they like to show at the film festival um, because they want people coming back next year. And if they show, you know, ten shitty films, uh, that's not going to happen. Right. right. Well, and, and, and to be honest, you know, New York is, is a hotbed for uh, – um, I guess progressivism, and and which is fine, and you know this film ha- has a, a, a hook, which is as the director screenwriter said, she wanted to feature a predominantly female and LGBTQ cast, as she felt these groups were not properly presented, represented in horror and thriller cinema. So, so that you know makes it stand out, right? And and Troy Becker is is a, is a perfect opportunity for a, a film with that hook to to, to play, you know? Yeah, and, but. You can say there's not enough movies with sharks that come out. That doesn't mean that every movie with a shark in it's going to be good. But but there's a difference between a, a certain state of mind uh, culturally than just a, a shark film. You, you see yeah, but saying? this doesn't even sound like it got a lot of great buzz. I like I think. Yeah, I that's think, I, I think, um, and you'll just you may disagree. I think this is competently enough made, right? In that, yeah, it's they're, just the they're, yeah, there, there, there are some. Of the there are some they, could, they could replace there, some of the actors, but yeah. Yeah, this does not feel like an amateurish production. It feels like a movie that missed, but I'm sure if you sat through everything that got submitted to, to film festivals, you would see things that were just not awful. Um, and I, and if this is so. Sometimes that's what it is, right? You may get you can show. Yeah, this films, is what Leo. You get, you get 30 submissions. And so you take the three that, that have the best polish to them, even if they're not the best things ever. Right. And Leo summed it up. Leo of the Dorkening Podcast Network says when he doesn't like a film, he, go, he just simply says, well, it's a film. And, and this is a film. Like you said, you know, for every film, whether it's bad like this one or, or great like some other indie film that we've seen, there's dozens and dozens and dozens that are so amateurish and terrible that we'll, we never see. And this one, as you said, even if it's a bad film, and as Barrett mentioned, it has some, some, some bad acting, it's still competently made. There's talent here, even if 
the screenplay and some of the acting is not up to par. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would agree with you there, Mike, that, that this isn't total schlock that doesn't make a film festival, especially one that's Tribeca, but I, I do wonder why it, it may Tribeca. Now, I'll also say, now looking at this, when I watched this on Shudder, I don't know if you paid attention to it, uh, recently there's a movie I think that was added to Shudder called uh, Sea Fever, which we reviewed like two, three years ago. That was uh, in Oh, the yeah, the one about that took place in Provincetown or or, or something. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Or pretty was that, no, wasn't Sea Fever the one that was – Oh, yeah, on yeah, the, the one on the boat. Yeah, that was pretty good too. Yeah, that was I, I kind of remember us not yeah. reviewing that one very highly. Yeah, oh, yeah, it wasn't awesome, but but it was good enough. Yeah, well, it got it's got five stars on Shutter. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's and ridiculous. and this has three. Oh, so, oh that, that was way better than 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 this one. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying. So my point being that if um oh C Fever gets was, five. Yeah, yeah C Fever gets five. This one got three. So even with the with a favorable and forgiving audience, it's not exactly blowing people away. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like 20% by audiences, while reviewers give it like 50. So it's, yeah, yeah. So so that's a fair point, Mike. That's a really good point. Yeah, because Sea Fever is a decent film, that Irish sea film. Uh, it's, it's, it's an okay monster movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, just, it's just was a film that got a lot of hype because it was by the guys who did the uh, the practical effects for The Thing. And everybody, the thing remake, not remake, the thing equal, and cool. and and people were always very upset that they got their their stuff replaced by CGI, and so they're like, oh, this will be cool, and they wanted to support the film that these guys did, and I'm right there with it, but you can't just support something for that reason. It has to oh, be. Oh, oh, actually, actually, and so it wasn't really worth. I think what. Yeah, yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, no, that wasn't Sea Fever. They did a different one, um, a different boat ship. Yeah, yeah. Sea Fever was by it wasn't the things guys. Um, I forget the one you're talking about. Those the, the okay, thing. Well, yeah, yeah. That that one was Harbor Harbor Harbor. I don't know what it was called. But. Oh, I know what you're talking about, Phil. Okay, yeah, am I, yeah. Am I getting my ocean movies mixed up? Yeah, you're getting them mixed up. Yeah. So the one so you're talking about helps my, to have multiple people on the podcast. Yeah, the one you're talking about, Mike, which also starred. Uh, the guy from Aliens. Uh, right, Lance Hendricks. Lance Hendricks. That film was not good. Sea okay. Fever, the Irish film, was actually a pretty damn good film. Yeah, okay. That yeah. That was the one with the red redhead Irish girl, Connie Nielsen, played the cap sea ca- one of the sea captain or something. It was a pretty good film. That was a pretty good film, Sea Fever. But, yeah, I know which one. You're, Harbinger Down or something, maybe it was called. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so I'm getting yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that, that, that was a bad film. That was a bad film, yeah. Yeah, and if that yeah, guy, that was the one I wanted to like and didn't. Yeah, same here, same here. But yeah, Sea Fever definitely deserved four stars. That, that's a pretty good film. But I see your point though, Mike. Uh, even on a forgiving audience of Shutter, where you have people like on the Facebook group that reviews every film and says it's great, um, even this film only got three stars by the general audience of Shutter, uh, based off of their their uh, rating system. Right. That's, yeah. So we apologize to Sea Fever. You guys made a good film. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Because I remember that. I like I, I, one thing I remember about that film too. Sea Fever was 
the abandoned Portuguese ship that they, they, they get, go to, and then that's how they find out there's something wrong, and then the monster attacks them. It was pretty awesome. And then the Irish ship goes down. Spoiler Indeed. <laughs> so, since we're now talking about different movies, maybe we should wrap this up. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, so we want to talk about the ending. Let's just do the you know, final and talk about yeah, what happens. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, basically, she we find out that um, she killed her mom, and the other people find out, and she decides to kill them <laughs> with a chainsaw in a scene that kind of mimics the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit. Yeah, well, a little, I guess. A little. Well, the just holding the thing up. Just, that was a weak well, ass chainsaw man. Cause that one, that first guy who gets hit with the chainsaw man, he barely had a scratch. Well, <laughs> you got to remember, this is the same. You know, so so it's a combination of Travis Bickle, Jack Torrance, and and Leatherface. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> I know, just being facetious, very facetious. Um. Yeah, so that's pretty much how it ends, and and yeah, she Ruth is 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 some psychotic widow. And Mike, I'm convinced the only reason she invited Franny was because she wanted to cheat with Franny. If everybody hated her, she wasn't the one who did. Wasn't it Ruth? No, I thought it was the the oh, it was Maddie. Was it Maddie? Maddie. Yeah, Maddie was one that brought her. Yeah, they were girlfriend and the girl that liked her girlfriend. Yeah. So so why the heck would Ruth then? cheat with Fran if she hated Fran. It doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> They're weird well, back at that. She said that she sometimes again. does bad things. Yeah. It made as much sense as anything else in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was even completely confused because I thought maybe Ruth invited her because it's like, she can't help herself. why would she have sex with Franny if she hated Franny? It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't get it. Anyway, yeah, that's fair. Any, anybody else that has anything else they wanted to add to, about the ending or anything that was written down on your sheets that you wanted to bring up that we missed? I guess not. All right. So I guess we're we're done talking about uh, bad things. <laughs> I already forgot the title of the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it, it is kind of it, it, And it is bad things, so. You know, I'm trying to figure it But, all right, well, so I guess we can get into our final discussion on our thoughts on the film. But before we do, we ha- can talk about uh, what we've been watching or what we've been playing. Um, so, yeah, let me start a little bit here. Uh, I've been watching a, a bunch of uh, – uh, a documentary on Bernie Madoff because uh, I've been getting into the big big short and all those films again. So. Uh, possibly a cinema a la carte episode, so I decided to watch other stuff related to that whole terrible stuff that happened back in the day, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, so I watched that on Netflix, pretty good. So I bought a the book about the guy that that figured out that he was a Ponzi scheme, and so I began reading, reading that book. Um, and it's disgusting that the, how the SEC just ignored him. And, and it's, the SEC is the real villain, not, not worse than Bernie Madoff. But anyway, that's oh, there's there's a lot of villains going around. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah, um, and uh, so I'm, I, that's what I've been watching and reading. Uh, so I haven't, and, and then my my usual podcasts. Uh, but I have been playing Diablo, 
and I'm I think I'm at six, level sixty now. Um, and I I got I got four or five unique items now. That's pretty cool. And I've done nightmare dungeons, and been going to the the tree of whispers uh, a lot. And yeah, whispers. Yeah, whispers. I get the Boston accent. And then <laughs> um, uh, I switched up my necromancer uh, to use new skills and exploding bodies or exploding corpses, I should say, uh, is phenomenal. And the reason I did that was because I got one of my unique items used darkness spells, and so I had to switch my spells to be all darkness spells because you get, like, an extra 1,000 points of hit points damage by mm-hmm. using darkness spells. And so I did that, and now my, my character's pretty pretty awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do tier 4 nightmare that just popped up as an option, but I'm going to do that after I do a few more nightmare dungeons at level three or tier three, so so yeah, it's uh, it's, it's going well. I'm, I'm actually enjoying it a lot more recently because I got bored there for a little bit because um, you know it seems like the same old same old. But now that I'm Eric told me how to see all the things you can do for on the Xbox by seeing the list of things to do for the the season, um, it's now become exciting again. So yeah, it's a good time. Uh, so that's all I got. So uh, let's go with you, Mike. What do you got? Yeah, uh, I watched Talk to Me. I like that a lot. Um, that's that Australian film, right? Yeah, and it was not what I expected it was going to be. Um, I was expecting it to be a little more of a more straightforwardly copy, say, something like Flatliners, kind of where I was expecting it to go. Um, but it didn't. And I, I there had some things in it that kind of did surprise me and shock me. Um, it's a good day to die. Yeah, I think makeup was really good. Um, so for me, it's a definite recommend. As always, you know, beware of people who overhype things. But I thought it was a very solid film. Um, like, like, is it worth the episode? Do you think when it comes on VOD? I think I think it could be. Okay, fair enough. Um, I watched the I think four episodes of Twisted Metal on Peacock. Uh, uh, which is based on the PlayStation video game. Uh, I've never played the game, but I heard some good things about the show, and it's it's okay. Um, stars Anthony Mackie, um, has a few other familiar faces in it. Uh, I've, ne- I've never played the game, so I have no idea how faithful it is, if that matters to you. Uh, it's basically just a, a post-apocalyptic world where guys on sent on a mission in his car, um, and he's got, like, nine days to complete the mission, and, of course, there's obstacles in the way. Um, but I, I thought it was fine so far. It's uh, apparently, I think, by written by the guys who did Zombieland. So if you find that appealing, you might find this appealing. Um, the My wife and I started the second season of Yellow Jackets on Paramount, which uh, is, is still highly recommended. Uh, and Elijah Wood has just uh, joined the cast, so that was a nice surprise. Um, the main thing is, uh, yesterday, uh, for my birthday, my wife and I went to see a show on Broadway called The Shark is Broken. Is that why you're still in some cars? No, it has nothing to do with that. And what it is, is a three-character play based on the making of Jaws. It stars Ian Shaw, who is the son of Robert Shaw who is a spitting image of, at least from, a, from, the, from the audience, it's not a camera close-up, but at least from the audience, is a 
uh, a spitting image of his dad. And it is basically, if your favorite part of Jaws is the scene of the three characters sitting in the cabin comparing their scars, that's basically what this movie is, because it's about the three actors killing time while they're waiting for the shark to work. And I don't know how true it is. I get the sense of a lot of it is true. There are lines dropped in there that feel a little too cute um, like and written for, like, clear with an eye towards the, how a modern audience would hear it. Um, not a lot, but there's a few. Um, for example, at one point, uh, Robert Shaw's hears about Steven Spielberg's next project. It's in sharks and aliens. What's next? Dinosaurs? And it's like, okay, yeah. And the audience laughs. But I have a feeling he never said that. But um, Ian Shaw is fantastic as Robert Shaw. And um, I think it's Alex Brightman, who I saw last year because he starred in Beetlejuice as Beetlejuice, plays Richard Dreyfus, And, uh, again, from a distance, he looks enough like him, but he sounds like him. He has his mannerisms down. I could totally believe him as uh, as uh, Richard Dreyfus, And then um, I can't remember the name of the other actor uh, who's playing uh, Brody. And he's... And he's playing Roy Scheider. And he's the only one where I don't just lose the actor and the character, which um, is unfortunate. He gives a good performance, but the other two just completely disappear into being the characters that they're playing. And the thing is, the dynamic is still very similar to what the characters were going through in that you have uh, Robert Shaw, who is this uh, drunken Irishman, I guess, um, but educated. Uh, No, he's English. Englishman, okay, drunken Englishman. He's living in Ireland, but a drunken Englishman who's well into his career at this point, well-established, doesn't give a fuck about anything, recognizes he's doing this for his paycheck to support his nine children, um, is kind of cynical and hardened, uh, and and again, like I said, a drunk. And then you've got, uh, he was constantly quarreling with Richard Dreyfuss, who is this neurotic Jew from Queens, who's at the beginning of his career, and he's worried that he's not good enough, and he's desperately desperate to become a big star. Um, and then stuck in the middle is Roy Scheider, who's just had success with uh, uh, French Connection, um, and you know, and he's he's just kind of like the moderating influence. So it's really still getting that same dynamic as the three characters, just in a very different way. Um, if you like Jaws, and you should, um, but if you like Jaws, um, you would really like it. Unfortunately, you have to be in the New York area. To go see it, it's playing, I think, until February. It's only 90 minutes. It's a play. It's not a musical. At no point does anyone stop and start singing about Bruce the Shark. Um, Not that that wouldn't have made it better. Um, And I think it's very, very filmable. If someone wanted to, like, do a quick film with it, I think this cast would be fantastic. Um, Because, again, those two characters just inhabit those actors so well and so believably. there's a there's a scene where the actor who plays Brody loses it, where it's just a matter of of uh, Robert Shaw bragging kind of about his placement on the billing because he gets top billing on the posters, he's top center, and then the yeah, yeah well he's Dreyf- star out of three. Of them. Well, right, and then Richard Dreyfus like realizes or sees that he's uh, he's on. He's not. He's not. He's, he's below Shaw, and he's on the right side. And he just like realizes like his agent screwed him again, 
and the actor who plays Brody just had to turn away and, and like hide his face because he was laughing so hard. Um, and it's not just a comedy because there's also some drama in it. They get into like the characters' back, the actors' backstories, how they went into acting, their um, their relationships with their fathers are all significant in the telling of the stories and who they are. Um, so there are certainly moments of genuine pathos in it, um, and uh, their fears and concerns are genuine. And as are their foibles, and it's just an enjoyable thing. And I, it's like the kind of thing I wish my father had lived long enough to see, because he would have gotten a kick out of it too. Um, and all it is is set is set on the orca. <laughs> it's, that's it. That's the set. The set is a boat. I, I, I took a picture of the set and put it because you can't take pictures during the show, and put that on Facebook. And I even took like a little slow mo- a stop motion thing because um, not so much a time lapse one because they use digital projection to give the appearance of the waves moving and lapping up on the boat and the the, the boat rocking uh, in the water. So it, it just is a very effective set. I just really enjoyed it. Highly recommend it. Way more than I than I recommend bad things. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, why, why are you in Sea Caucus? Oh, it's the mob thing, right? Yeah, from the mob thing. No, it's because like, I'm also, uh, which I don't really ever talk about, is that I also am a, a, a toy collector, and there's a convention here this weekend, and I just figured, what the fuck, all my summer, all my conventions that I usually go to, the horror conventions, are were not something I can make it to this year. So I said, let me let me do this, just to see what it's like for once. And so I just did that. It's only 90 minutes from home, but rather than drive back and forth three hours every day, it's, uh, I figured I'd only just get a cheap hotel room. Yep, makes sense. All right, sounds good. Um, let's go with you, uh, Barrett. What do you got? I've basically been playing lots of Diablo. <laughs> yeah, you're at level 80, right? Uh, 83, working towards 84, but it's really slow now. <laughs> and are you uh, in tier, what tier are you? Tier 4. Okay, very good, very good. Anything else, Barrett? That's it. You're playing as a druid, right? Uh, yes, I am. I did start watching Ahsoka. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, watched the first two episodes. What's that? Um, Ahsoka? What was that? New Star Wars series. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, that's on Disney. Yep, on Disney. Okay. Yep. I'm enjoying that. All right. And uh, where does that take place? Is that like near the Mandor- Mandarin or, or? Yeah, it is. It's after the um, Mandalorian has. Yeah, the Mandalorian. It is after the rebellion has succeeded, um, and kind of during or after the Mandalorian that we've seen so far. Right. And uh, Mike, you've been watching that show? Actually, I forgot. I watched the first two episodes Tuesday night, um, and I, I like them. It's the only the first two shows, and um, this is a character who was in the series uh, Clone Wars, especially. Um, and then a little bit in Star Wars Rebels, which were both animated series, and this is very much a sequel to Rebels, um, and I've always recommended people watch those shows. Um, you may have to suffer through the first bit of it because these were shows that were sort of a Trojan horse because they pitched them as children's shows, and then they often get somewhat darker themes as they go along, but they're very child-friendly at the start. Um, and... Uh, but, but I think they do a, a really, really good job, and I think they are probably the best thing Star Wars since the original trilogy. Um, so I have high hopes for uh, for how this series turn, turns out. 
right, sounds good. Uh, what about you, uh, Eric? What do you got? Uh, not a whole lot. I've also been playing some Diablo. You're 83 uh, too, right? No, I'm 80. Oh, okay. Um, I did. And you're, and you're a druid. to go out east, though. So, uh, you a druid? I am a druid for season one. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, other than that, I've mostly been watching YouTube stuff that people who listen to the show would be interested in. Um, I also watched two movies. Uh, one I watched with my buddy Dan called Nefarious. Uh, we both enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, so I'd recommend that. And then the other one I watched is one called Cobweb, uh, which has been getting a little bit of buzz, which I also enjoyed. Um, so yeah, that's what I watched. Where, where did you watch Cobweb? Uh, I rented it on Apple. Okay. Yeah. Well, what okay. was the other? Actually, I think I just straight out bought it. Now that I think about it, because it had special features. Right. What? what was the, What was the first film you mentioned with Dan? Uh, with the, the Furious. Furious. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Did you buy that one too? Uh, no, that one I just rented, but right. I, I I might buy it because I liked it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Good things, um, and that's Apple. As well, right? That's where I started. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's generally where I do myself. Yeah, me too. But yeah, me too. Not always. Yeah, well, okay. Once places, something's open to rent that's usually available on your miscell- on all of your miscellaneous services. Right. Yeah. Well, what I usually buy. Yeah, I'd be surprised I, if it's not on Amazon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can rent it on pretty much any place. Um, what I usually buy, I, I do Apple, though, because uh, – well, I usually just do Apple anyway, unless it, I can get it cheaper elsewhere. But I mean, um, I mean, for a long time – Mike's going to give me shit for this uh, – but for, for a long time, it was the case that I, I swear to me personally, uh, the quali- the visual and audio quality of the stuff I got from Apple is better than other services. It's not as distinct at this point. I don't know that I'm going to give a shit over it because um, <laughs> it, it might be true. And, there, uh, it's, and, and, of course, now a lot of places give you the option of HD, SD, 4K, yeah. however you, you're going to buy it. Um, and I, but I certainly noticed that I feel and maybe it's subliminal uh, that some places seem to do it better than others. Um, so I think Apple was stronger out of the gate, but other services has ca- have caught up. Sure. Right. And for me, the, the biggest thing tends to be – how user friendly is the format? Because some of the formats just yeah. Suck. Apple's Apple's rental is pretty good. Their rental and purchase is, is pretty good. I, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean, Mike. It, like we it, we've it, talked about how like Prime Prime's interface just oh it's terrible. Oh my gosh, um, so bad, so bad. And it, it's it, yeah. To me, Prime's interface is the worst. I I use Voodoo a lot because it's. Because uh, it, it didn't really have like exclusives, things were never, almost never denied it, and I it always thought it, it was an easy to browse format. Yeah, have um, you guys used Max? That thing's a piece of garbage. It was better before for sure. Very little. Like just navigating everything is laggy. It's oh, it's a piece of crap. Yeah, I, I I've been I've watched max a few times but what i usually do is i i just look up a film and it says oh it's on max you know i go to flickster and then i it's on max and i just search for it uh, so but i don't usually now, you are, browse through stuff i don't usually browse but anyway go so on. i'm assuming you do that through uh an apple tv yeah i do in uh-huh. Arcus, too. Yeah. well yeah. because some things like i know people like different like i've heard people complain about like the shutter app on say, oh, chrome or apple tv but it's perfectly fine on a roku so sometimes that has a lot to do with it too. 
And I don't know if it's that yeah, possible. Uh, that there's problems interfacing with the system. If you know there's case of wanting to uh, fuck up their rivals app, I, I really have no idea. Uh, but why uh, it works better on some apps than in others, and some they just never. Mm-hmm. And like I yeah, know, Shutter has is, has no intention of ever releasing. I guess a PlayStation app because I guess PlayStation is being a pain in the ass to work with. That happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I usually buy through Apple though if I buy my VOD because then, because I have all like Apple TVs and iPads and iPhones and stuff. So then that means I can well, basically watch it anywhere. You know, if it's a first, studio but, film. Same with my um, music. If it's a studio film other than Paramount or Lionsgate, you know, usually you get it through. Because of movies anywhere, if you get it yeah. on one, you get it on everything else. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. That's, done that's that. true. I've I haven't, I haven't, that very handy at times. I haven't downloaded that app. I probably should. And have. and the the problem is that, as far as I know, Paramount still is not is still is holding out for reasons I do not know. And Lionsgate is is trying to make it with their own app for reasons I just do not know. Um, oh, they're, they're going to make an app now too. Oh my gosh. Well, they had they've had no they've had their own app. Oh, they have their own streaming service too. Yeah, they really they have wildly successful. What, what's it called? What's the app called? Lionsgate. Oh, and it's, it's successful. I've never heard of it. I didn't even know they had an app. How about that? No, clearly it's not successful. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Um, but anyway, so and, and, and I think Movie Anywhere for a while had a loan system, so you could loan a film to a friend, but they they stopped that. Um, for for reasons I don't know why, um, but yeah, so that's that's nice. So whatever, for, so you can buy it where it's cheapest, and then watch it where it's best, or take advantage of the bonus features, right? So I know Apple a lot of times will pay for bonus features. Yeah. Um, I still tend to buy the physical media. Uh, sometimes I wait for like your Black Black Friday sales, but because one, the physical media always has the bonus stuff. Um, that's not true two, anymore, Mike. Well, if it's available, they have it, right? No, not necessarily. I've seen things that have bonus features, digital exclusive. Yeah, oh, okay. it is weird. Oh, yeah, yeah that's it, true, because I remember there was... Yeah, what film was that? I know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, uh, if, the one... If, the one if, if that was true, then, then, then I would be on board with with only doing yeah, physical media, yeah, but yeah, I've got that digital before specifically so I could get the features. It, it's the, it's the uh, Lee Wannell film, the one that I loved, the, that cyberpunk one. Uh, what the hell was it called? Upgrade. 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 Yeah, that one. Upgrade. The disc has nothing on it, but if you get it through Apple, it has everything. Hmm. Really? Yeah, that was one, and I was so pissed because because that was like my favorite film, and I was like, damn it! And I bought the disc, and it had nothing on it, and I was like, ah, do I have to double dip? And I mean, if you do have a good TV, meaning a, a, a 4K TV and a, a good size screen. I, I personally, and decent eyesight, I think you can still see a difference between the images. Um, oh, yeah. You can. I, I do think, oh, yeah, I, especially if you have an HD player like you and Erica. Yeah. Right, but I also think for most people, it's like listening to music. Yeah, you're going to get those audio files who are going to hear the, the tones very differently, and they want to make sure they're, they've got the very best system set up. They hear sure. the sound, and, and, but 99% of the populace is perfectly fine. You know, listening to a, uh, a, a to an MP3 file 
It's funny, Mike, because my, my buddy Dan and I are opposites in that regard. He is super persnickety about audio quality um, and wants everything to be available on uh, HDC or uh, like Blu-ray audio in the highest quality format possible. Uh, but he doesn't care when it comes to visuals. He's got a 720p projector. He's like, I can tell what's on the screen. Why do I need something better? <laughs> right. Well, you know what? There are times when I'll listen, and honestly, I just don't have that much time to listen to music anymore. You know, it's usually on while I do something, as opposed to, like, when I was younger and I could just sit there on the couch or in bed and not do anything except listen Those to music. Those were the days, right? And those days, I could... I do that in the car. I could totally hear the difference. Well, hopefully you're paying attention to the road, Phil. I know you might not because you're too busy texting people the pictures of Taylor Swift's house or the the White Castle or whatever it is you're driving by to tell them where you are. But no, no, no. That's that's I actually pull over. But um, hope. But yeah. So, but yeah. If I'm driving, am I really stopping to notice the, you know, the the, the different intonations and the, you know, the two different keyboards on you know on a Stevie Wonder tune? Not really. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, it's, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You know, it's sort of like, you know, when you have a TV show on in the background while you're cleaning the house, you don't really right, give a right. shit about the resolution. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. Um, yeah, so we, we did get upgraded to a 75 inch TV, I think it is. Uh, because our other one, our 50 or 48 or whatever it was, uh, broke. It just burned out. So we had to upgrade. So I said, oh, I might as well just get the biggest because it was it was on sale. Yeah, I, that's right. This was like a month ago, and I was texting Eric's from the store. I go, Eric, is this a good company? Is this a good company? Is this a good company? And so we got a uh, – Most people do their research before they go to the store. Yeah, well, I was just planning to get some crappy TV for my wife, but I said, eh, you know, I'm here. I, I suddenly saw all these cool TVs. And so what I did was I just went with what we had before, which is Samsung. So we, we went, just got a huge Samsung. And, and it's really good. It's a really good TV. But that's a fair point, Eric. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was recently in, in Best Buy for the first time in, in years, literally. And you um, live right down the street from it. I live in, literally within walking distance of a Best Buy. Um, I went over there when I, my power was out and I had nothing else to do. And they still had power for some reason. Um, and I'll tell you what, you used to be able to tell a significant difference in quality between the high-end televisions and the ones that were significantly less expensive. Not so much anymore, man. You can get a good-looking TV for a good price. That's generic. And it's, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. right. I, I gotta tell you, Eric, I've I've been bored many, many times in my life. I've never been so bored that I said, I don't know, you wanna to go to Best Buy? Um, I've done that. No, no, I used to, when I lived in Hudson, which is the the two towns away, it was really close to the, the Best Buy in Nashville, which is the town between the two towns that I've lived in. And um I used to go to Best Buy all the time just to you know, I mean, I usually bought a disc or something, but I would go there to was, buy things, but I didn't go there because I had nothing to do. I, I, I would go to well, a movie or I had been sitting in the dark for five hours and I was bored out of my fucking mind, so I wandered over to Best Buy. Yeah, and it's always I would have stayed there for five. Well, like Eric said, he was he was had no electricity. It was it kind of sucked. I, I, Eric, I'm on your side. I'm not. I'm not going to poop. Yeah, like, Mike's like, just trying like, to be a dick. He succeeded. Yeah. I'm not trying. <laughs> you guys said you succeeded. Well, he wasn't I trying. I don't have to try. I left that. 
It's like, you know, I, I reached that state many years ago. <laughs> it's not just a permanent state of being. <laughs> it did. It did. Anyway, all right. So uh, I guess we can start. He's that cataract. Wrap it up. It, you got uh, it. So, uh, Eric, uh, before we give our final reviews, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan? I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. Indeed. And, uh, Mike, me, you, and Eric do another side podcast uh, uh, once a month usually? Yes. It is a la carte. That is the podcast for people who don't like the dark discussion. That's or don't like the movies on dark discussion, but want to hear the same host talk about something different. So it's uh, anything that's really not a horror film is fair game, and it could be a new movie, it could be an old movie. Usually, it's an older film, uh, and we each take turns picking a movie to discuss. You know, so uh, for example, we've done off the top of my head, Collateral and The Edge and Flash Gordon, right? Or three of the films that we've covered. Um, it's not to say that there are not common themes, often because of. We are who we are. We do tend to lean towards dark material. I don't know that any one of us is going to say pick 16 candles to randomly name a film, uh, but that's what it is. So, And that comes out about monthly. Indeed, indeed. And uh, what we'll be uh, doing uh, next recording uh, in uh, September, and uh, the next episode should be coming out uh, in the first week of September, as a matter of fact. Uh, now, Barrett, uh, me... Let me get my, my time for his pick. Indeed, you do. Uh, and then uh, me uh, and you, Barrett, among other folks, uh, do another podcast. Uh, and we actually recorded one on Monday that's um, in the queue and is going to be released this weekend. What, what's that all about? Yeah, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. We um, review all sorts of different things, genre, sci-fi, comic book movies. Um, we interview directors, writers, uh, all sorts of things. Um, we've reviewed books, but uh, this most recent one we reviewed was The Suicide Squad by James Gunn, um, and that's coming out, I'm not sure when. Yeah, this weekend. Yep, this weekend. Yep. It was supposed to come out on Tuesday, but uh, work has been like crazy, and I just have, I haven't even taken lunches, and uh, the, the, the AQB stuff, Barrett, is, is like nuts right now, so yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, so so uh, I have to wait until uh, and and then every night I've been busy as hell too. So um, it'll come out this weekend. Yep. Um, all right, so I guess we can give our, our final uh, reviews on this film here called Bad Things. Uh, so let's start with you, Bert. Yeah, I did not like this film. Um, I might have been a little harsh in my initial comments, but I, I don't think I was that harsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just not a great film. I would not suggest this to anybody, and um, I could t I wish I could take my time back. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I, I found it pretty harsh too when I first reviewed the film. Um, but it, it it is really a bad film. It, it's just it's just terrible. Um, so yeah, I, I would not recommend it at all either. Um, I, I do. Wish I had never seen it. If, if we weren't doing this as a podcast episode, I would have quit it after like 20 minutes. And having watched the entire thing, it was worth quitting after 20 minutes. It was that bad. So, um, yeah, I would not recommend this film at all. Uh, let's go with you, Art. I did not like this film either, and I do not recommend it if you choose to watch it. 
may God have mercy on your soul. And Mike, what do we got? Yeah, um, like I said, I think I might have liked it the most out of any of you, and I didn't like it. Um, and I, I just found it uninteresting and confusing, not in a frustrating or entertaining way. Um, just sort of like, huh? Um, I, I thought a lot of the elements were, were fine. I just think the story needed more polishing. All right, sounds good. So uh, once again, uh, this film originally released at Tribeca, uh, is called Bad Things. Um, it was released on Shutter uh, just a couple uh, last week uh, in August. Debuted at Becker in June. Uh, the film is directed by Stuart Thorndike and written by her as well. Uh, produced by Lizzie Shapiro and Lexi Tannenholtz, uh, starring Gail Rankin, Harry H- Harai Neff. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. If not, I apologize. Uh, Annabelle Dexter Jones, Rad Piera, that's Portuguese, by the way, and Molly Ringwald. Uh, cinematography, Green, Grant Greenberg, and music by Jason Faulkner. Uh, production company, The Space Program. I did like that when I saw that on the um, pop up right after the Shutter thing. Uh, and you can find it on Shutter today if you are interested. Uh, so I guess that's pretty much it. So uh, with all that stated, Eric, why don't you leave this up? All right. If you are still here and have listened to this entire episode, bless you for being a dedicated listener. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about bad things. We'll come back next week with another different topic. Okay.